Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm so glad that you're watching today's message. I believe it'll be a blessing to you. I believe it'll encourage you, it'll strengthen you, and empower you to make Jesus famous in your everyday life. Enjoy today's message, and I'll see you at the end of the broadcast. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 10, New Living Translation says, And now he has made all of this plain to us by the appearing. Say, appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior. He broke the power of death. Anybody glad about it? And illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. This is talking about what we're celebrating now, the first advent of Jesus through his birth, his life, his ministry, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension. Now let's go to Titus chapter 2, verse 13. I'm going to read this one from the King James Version. Titus chapter 2, verse 13. Titus chapter 2, verse 13. It says, looking for that blessed hope. Say hope. And the glorious appearing. Say appearing again. Of the great God and of our Savior, Jesus Christ. The word appearing. Say appearing. If you're watching online, go ahead and put it in the chat. So let's say it again. Say appearing. It's one of the words to describe the arrival, the coming, and the advent of Jesus. In referring to the first advent of Christ in Acts 26, Paul described it as hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers. Here in Titus, Paul refers to the second advent as the blessed hope. The advents of Jesus, as I said, the first advent, which we're celebrating right now at Christmas time, the birth, the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus is the first advent. And he said, I'm coming back again. Anybody believe what Jesus said? If Jesus said, I'm coming back again, how many know he's coming back again? The second coming or the second advent. So the advents of Jesus are the glorious bookends of this age, and they are both filled with hope. The first advent is called hope, and the second advent is called hope. So it starts with hope, and it ends with hope. Say, so it starts with hope, and it ends with hope. So we who are approaching the soon coming second advent should be people of increasing hope as we see the day of his return approaching. Every day we get closer to the second advent of Jesus. Whether he comes in our lifetime or over 120 years from now, every day we're getting closer. And every day as we get closer, we should increase in hope. We shouldn't become less hopeful or so overworried by what's going on in the world, every day as we get closer to the return of Jesus, we need to increase in hope. Say, we need to increase in hope because we are not the hopeless, we are the hopeful. Come on, say it with me and put it in the chat. Say, we are not the hopeless, we are the hopeful. Say, we are not the hopeless, we are the hopeful. So as I said, as we approach the second advent, we need to increase in hope. As I shared before, you can have hope in many different areas in your life. Hope is simply positive expectation. You can have hope where your health is concerned. Hope where your family is concerned. Hope where your relationships are concerned. Hope where your finances are concerned. Hope where your career and business are concerned. All of those areas of hope are valid, they are real, and they are wonderful. However, we need to make sure that our hope is based on Jesus. 
Because Jesus is the only sure foundation for your hope. Because if you place your hope in crypto, you may be kind of shaky right now. If your hope is based on what new variant comes out, you may be kind of shaky right now. If your hope is based on the stock market, depending on the day, you may be more shakier than others. If your hope is based on an election, depending on the year, you may be shaky or not. You cannot put your hope in things that are not stable. Because if your foundation is not stable, your hope for your family will be shaky. Your hope for your health will be shaky. Your hope for your finances will be shaky. If you don't put your hope on the only sure foundation, the foundation of the Lordship of Jesus Christ, your life will be shaky. See, what the world needs now is stable people. See, singles, you look for a lot of things. Look for someone stable. Come on, you didn't realize that, but stability is sexy. Look for somebody stable. We live in a world of a whole lot of unstable things. The, the world needs the body of Christ to be stable. And we can be stable if our foundation that we place our hope upon is Jesus. So as I said, hope is positive expectation. Despair is negative expectation. So if you go around saying bad things come in threes, two things happen. Where's the third one? You are not in hope. You are in despair. Despair is evil hope. So what are you operating by? Positive expectation or negative expectation? If you're always going around saying something bad's going to happen, then you are in despair. That's why we say things like, something good is going to happen to you today. This is why we say things like, expect miracles. We're trying to shift you from despair to hope. Because if all your hope comes from is what you see on the news and what you read on social media, you'll be full of despair. If that's all you do, you will be walking around expecting every bad thing possible to happen. You will believe that everybody is out to get you. Someone blink, oh, they don't like me. They don't like thinking about you. They, they got something in their eye. But if all you meditate on is the negative, that is what you expect. That's why you have to make sure you're a person of the word so that your hope is actually hope and not despair. It is your job to make sure you are in hope and not despair. And the Spirit of God is endeavoring to shift you from despair to hope. It's almost like, how many remember those old satellite dishes that we had back in the day? That you just had to shift it a little bit, and then the signal would be clear. And if it was a storm, you might just have to adjust it a tad bit more because of what's going on in the atmosphere. Sometimes you just got to shift your satellite dish to the All Things Are Possible network. Because too many times we've been focused on the wrong thing and living by the wrong report. Yes, the report the doctor gave is valid, but you have another report. Yes, what's going on in the news is actually going on in the world, but you have something else you can access. Which one will you believe more, and which one will you operate by? You have to choose whether you're going to live by the limitations of this world or live like you're from heaven. Like, Pastor, what do you mean? I ain't from heaven. I'm from Atlanta. I'm from Mississippi. I'm from Detroit. Whoa, what do you mean? Every time this year we celebrate that Jesus came from heaven, right? This is what we celebrate, that he came from heaven. He was born. 
as a man, 100% man, 100% God, but we know he came from heaven, right? Then why in the Gospel of John did Jesus say that when he was praying that we are in the world, but not of the world, just like him? So we need to consider ourselves as not limited to what's on this earth. We need to consider ourselves as backed by heaven. Think about this. So if the president of the United States goes somewhere, or one of his representatives, or one of his ambassadors, if something pops off, the ambassador, the representative of the president shouldn't have to fight, should they? We don't want to see them throwing punches. The armed forces are the ones we want to see throwing punches. The secret service are the ones who can throw punches. They just need to back up and let the people who are there to throw the punches or to fire handle it, right? Why are you throwing so many punches in your life? When you should be doing what God told you to do, saying what he told you to say, and backing up and making room for God to do what he wants to do. There's some things God wants to do in your life today and at the end of this year and next year, but there's no room for it because you are too busy doing what you want to do. I'm not saying they're bad things. There could be some good things you're doing, but it's not what God told you to do. Or there's some things in your life that God wants to do that if you actually let go of some stuff, he could bless you. But because you got to be in control of everything, you can't let it go. And God's trying to bless you with rest, but you can't let stuff go. Quiet now. Let's talk about the word appearing again. Say appearing. This word appearing, one of the definitions I found, is this word was often used by the Greeks of a glorious manifestation of the gods, and especially of their advent to help. It was used in Jewish literature to describe signal deeds and events betokening the presence and power of God as helper. In the New Testament, the advent of Christ, not only that which was already taken place and by which his presence and power appear in the saving light he shed upon mankind, but also the illustrious return from heaven to earth hereafter to occur. To summarize that long definition, Jesus showed up and brought glorious help and power. When Jesus showed up, he brought help and power. Said so when Jesus showed up, he brought help and power. So if he brought help, we are not helpless. Say, I am not helpless. Go with me to Luke chapter 2, verse 25. We looked at this verse a couple weeks ago as we started the series. Let's look at it again. Luke chapter 2, verse 25. Luke chapter 2, verse 25. This takes place about eight days after the birth of Jesus. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. As you keep reading, you see that the Holy Spirit revealed to him that he will live to see the arrival of the Messiah, who is known here as the consolation of Israel. Now, this word consolation, as we said before, means solace, which is comfort or consolations in a time of distress or sadness, and that which affords consolation or refreshment. This word consolation means solace, comfort or consolations in a time of distress or sadness, that which affords consolation or 
refreshment. Now go with me to John 14. Jesus, the consolation of Israel. John 14. Let's look at verse 16. Notice what Jesus says here. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Think about this. Imagine you had the opportunity to do life with Jesus. Because for a good portion of these three years, the apostles as well as a number of other disciples did life with Jesus. Unless he sent them out on an assignment, they were with Jesus 24-7. Imagine that opportunity. You saw him. You talked to him. If you had any questions, you could ask him. Random stuff you can ask him. You got to see his personality. You got to see how he responded to things. You got to observe things. Depending on your level of comfortability and personality, you leaned on Jesus. John did. He leaned up on Jesus. What's up, man? This is what they had for almost three years. Now imagine you having that experience, and Jesus said, I'm leaving. Excuse me? And going to where? Because we going too. It's like, no, I'm leaving. You can't come. Whoa. Because by this point, Jesus has become your security blanket. You know you can face anything because you're like the Peanuts character. I got my security blanket right here. Don't you dare take my security blanket. This is what they've come used to. And now Jesus is telling them, I'm leaving. And they are almost in a state of panic. And Jesus but hey, I'm sending you another comforter. That word another means one of the same quality and type as I am. So yes, you've gotten used to me, but I'm sending you another comforter. That he may abide with you forever. He calls him the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it sees him not, neither knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. Say, so you've gotten to know him because he rests upon me. You've gotten to know him pretty well. But here's what's about to happen. He's going to come and live on the inside of you. He's going to dwell with you. He's going to abide with you. Then he says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. How would Jesus come to him? Through the person of the Holy Spirit. See, the word comfort we see in verse 16 is from the same family of Greek words as the word consolation that we looked at a few minutes ago. Jesus was and is the consolation of Israel, and he is our consolation as well. But he told us he was leaving, but that he will send another comforter, one just like him. He sent us Holy Spirit. And at Christmas, we celebrate the wonderful gift of Jesus to the world. But let's not forget the gift Jesus gave us and the person of the Holy Spirit. You see, if you are born again, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. He wants to rest upon you and dwell in your midst. And Jesus added in verse 18, I will not leave you comfortless. This word is different than the words we saw for comfort and consolation. This word means I will not leave you as orphans. Means I will not leave you bereft of a teacher, guide, and guardian. I will not leave you as orphans. I will not leave you bereft of a teacher, guide, and guardian. So that means through our comfort, through the Holy Spirit, we have a guide. We have a teacher. We have a guardian. That's why Jesus said he will guide you into all truth. That's why First John says he will teach you. 
You've received an anointing or unction from the Holy One. He'll teach you all things. Like, well, no one's done what I'm doing before. It's new. It's new ground. It's good that you got a teacher. And the Holy Spirit is more creative and innovative than anybody will ever meet. And I like this old Pentecostal saying I heard years ago, if you listen to the Holy Spirit, he'll make you look smart. If you don't l- listen to him, you look normal. There's a lot of normal lives going on. We need to look smart because we listen to the Holy Spirit who will lead you and guide you into all truth. See, verse 16, the Amplified Classic Edition says it this way, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby, that he may remain with you forever. Remember, he said the word advent means Jesus showed up and brought help. The help he brought for you is the Holy Spirit. So you are not helpless. He left you a help. Let's look at John 16, verse 7. John 16, verse 7. Jesus continues and says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient or better for you that I leave. For if I don't leave, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Now he's taken up a notch. It's better that I leave. Excuse me? What do you mean it's better that you leave me, Savior, Messiah, Son of God, Son of Man? He says, because if I leave, the comforter will come. He said it's better. See, the job of the Holy Spirit is to make Jesus as real to you and more than he was to the apostles and the disciples. Because if the Holy Spirit couldn't do that, you would be at a disadvantage. Because I, I didn't see him. I didn't walk with him. I didn't get to do life with him. So he sent you the Holy Spirit who will make Jesus as real to you as he was to Peter, James, and John. Make him as real to you as he was to the other disciples that did life with Jesus, because there's a lot of them beyond just the 12. Make him real to you and better. He said, he'll be with you forever. So, but notice the language Jesus used. He said, dwell, abide. Have you allowed the Holy Spirit to become at home in your life? Have you allowed this holy guest to be at home? Or are you treating him like Belle and Beauty and the Beast? You stay up in that tower. Don't you come to that wing. It's forbidden. Nah, you stay there. Have you allowed him to be at home in your life? It's like, no, 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 Jesus, you can show up on Sundays because I need you to show up when Sunday comes. When I come to church, not on Sundays, I stay home, but the Sundays where I'm watching online or I come to church, that's when I need you to show up. But you leave my politics and my money and my sex life, you leave that alone. But you show up when I need you and on the Sundays I come to church. How at home is the Holy Spirit in your life? Trapped up in a tower somewhere, or does he have free access to everything that concerns you? Have you been hospitable to the Holy Spirit? Have you made room for him? See, it reminds me of 2 Kings chapter 4. The great woman, the Shunammite woman, saw the prophet passing by every day. When he would go by, he said, you know what? Come in and eat. He says, she's constrained. Hey, you're going to eat some good fried chicken before you go to where you're going. And so that's what she did all the time she was walking by. And then this great woman said to her husband, said, you know, I perceive this as a holy man of God. Let's 
build on to our house. Let's make a room for him. Let's build a bed, a desk, a chair, put a lightning in there. So whenever he passes by, he has a place to stop and rest. And so that's what they did. They made room for the supernatural in their life. And one day that the prophet stopped by there, he and his assistant were talking. And he's like, what can I do to be a blessing to this woman who showed us no little kindness? She showed us great kindness. What can I do to be a blessing? He calls her, hey, what can we do for you? You want us to talk to the king? You want us to like, no, I live among my own people. We good. We got money. We good. And so the assistant says, well, she's old and her husband's older. Now, you know you're old when the Bible calls you old. And then he adds, they don't have any children. And then the word of the Lord comes to the man of God. He says, by this time next year, you'll have a son. Now, this is not something she was believing for, not something she was expecting, because she said, do not lie to me. She gave up on this dream a long time ago. She thought it couldn't happen because as it happened by now. But because she made room, something she thought was impossible became possible. Because she wouldn't have seen that miracle if she didn't make room. But because she made room, the impossible became possible. And some of you know the story. A year later, she had a son. The son grows up, but the enemy strikes a heat stroke, and the son dies. But the instructions of the mother was, take him to the room. The room I made for the supernatural. Take him to the room and place him on the bed. Put him there. And then she went to find the man of God. Everybody said, hey, what's going on? It is well. 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 The prophet didn't even know what's going on. The prophet said, it's hidden from me. By the time she reached him, she told him everything. And long story short, that young man was raised back to life in the room that his mother made for him. See, that room didn't just bring an unexpected miracle, also brought restoration. Have you made room in your life for the Holy Spirit to bring some unexpected miracles? Have you made room in your life for the Holy Spirit to bring refreshing and restoration and renewal? Have you made room for him? Or have you filled your life with everything but him? You see, just another natural example. You know, some of you, you're getting Christmas gifts, and you know it's going to take up some more room in your place. So that means you might need to throw away some old stuff, like some boxes that have been in your house for 20 years. You haven't opened it in 20 years. You know you're not going to open it tomorrow. But it's taking up space. It's not bad. It's just you don't need it. It needs to go, especially if you want the new. What is in your life you need to let go? Because not everything is sin that you need to let go. Some things are sin. But remember what it tells us in Hebrews chapter 12, that we lay aside the weight and the sin that so easily besets us. So yes, let go of all sin, but there's also some weights that you need to let go of. Some things you don't need to be doing. It doesn't mean it's wrong, it just doesn't mean you're supposed to be doing it. Or you're supposed to be doing it right now. And see, the Holy Spirit is an absolute gentleman, and he's let you know about these things already. It's just he doesn't operate the way you thought he should, just show up and shake you, says, you need to do this. That's not how he operates. Just a gentle knock on your heart. You pray today? Knock, knock, knock. You read your Bible yet? 
nah, nah, nah. you don't need to watch the other episode on Netflix. You can go to bed. So you can wake up and pray. Just gentle knockings. Gentle leadings that we ignore. The Holy Spirit's always leading us to make room because God's made move from us. But are you making room for God to be God in your life? Or are you trying to be your own God with salvation insurance? Like, I know I'm going to heaven, but I'm going to do everything else for myself on earth. What have you limited your life to because you haven't made room for him? It's like we sing in that Christmas carol, let every heart prepare him room. Make room for him. Make room for his supernatural. Make room for all things to become possible. Make room for the miraculous. You might say, well, pastor, once my house gets quiet, then I can pray. It really depends on how many kids you got, if that can happen. I got four. It's all the way live up there. <laughs> you know, at night, at periods of time during the night, it's quiet. I could pray. But you know, the Holy Spirit's not limited to quiet situations. If you become open, he'll talk to you. I remember a time, I was, it was a Saturday night, and I was praying over Sunday's message, and I was with two of my kids. One was on one leg, one was on the other. They wanted to play this game called Boots, where they have to, I have to walk with them on my legs. And so while I'm playing with them, I'm just on my heart talking to God, okay, what do you want to do tomorrow? <laughs> As I'm walking back and forth. This is not a prayer closet. This is life. And on the inside, he gave me a vision. This is what I'm going to do in church tomorrow. And it's like, that's my answer. That's what I needed. In the midst of life. See, a lot of times we've limited ourselves to hearing from God in a prayer closet where God wants to talk to you throughout the day. It's good to start your day with prayer. It's good to spend time every morning praying in the Spirit. But what happens if something pops off at noon? You're going to wait till tomorrow to pray about it? It's like, well, my prayer time is over. I won't pray again till tomorrow. He sent you a helper to be with you forever. And he wants to help you. Let him do his job. You see, it says in Philippians 2.13, that it's God who lives within you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. God, through the Holy Spirit, lives on the inside of you, helping you to not just do what is right, but to want to do what's right. Because let's be honest, sometimes we don't want to do what's right. Don't look at me like that. You know, you know it's true. Go ahead, put an amen online, because I can look at everybody in this room. Some of you online say, ooh, he can't see my face. Go ahead, put amen online. I'm waiting for you. Go ahead, type amen right now. Put it in online. Come on. He helps us to want to do what is right. Because the Scripture tells us that it is the willing and the obedient that eat the good of the land. Sometimes we're just obedient, but we're not willing. That's why we haven't seen everything in our lives that we want to see. But if you allow the Holy Spirit to work on your heart, he'll help you become willing. And he'll help you be obedient. Which means you can eat the good of the land no matter if there's a drought in the land. That if you follow his direction, his guidance, let him work on your heart. You make room for him and follow his leading. That no matter what happens in the land, you would have the good of the land. You just have to follow him. 
and you follow him, not only will you eat good, when God blesses you, it rubs off on somebody else. That's not a super spooky concept. We all understand that concept. Think about this. What happens if you put lotion on and got too much lotion? If you got kids, you just look, come on, I did it this morning. Like, I got too much. It's what? It's an abundance of oil. Let's share. It's time out for ashy Christianity. It's time to pass around the anointing. The oil of joy, the oil of hope, the oil of love, the oil of the power of God that removes burdens and destroys yokes. We have to overflow in this so we can share. Not just enough for you, you're for no more. Come on, you're anointed for beyond your life. You're anointed for beyond your needs. You're anointed for beyond what you're facing in front of you. See, Rick Renner told me this years ago. He says, Carrick, there's somebody on the other side of your obedience. See, when David took down Goliath, it wasn't just for him. It blessed the nation. See, some of you need to confront the things in your life because there's somebody else who needs to see you win. There's somebody else who needs to see it's possible. There's someone else who needs to see that God could do something miraculous in their life because when they see God do it in your life, they're like, God can do it for me. He lives within you both to help you do what is right and to want to do what is right. So let him work in you. Let him live in you. Let him be God in you. Go with me to Matthew 24. We looked at Matthew 25 a little bit last week, and we talked about Jesus telling these parables to help them understand. He says, I'm leaving, I'm coming back, but it's going to be a long time, because they expected, in Luke 19, the kingdom of God to immediately appear. So Jesus begins to tell these parables so that they understand it's going to be a long time. And so in Matthew 24, at the top of that chapter, they ask him a bunch of questions. And he begins to answer those questions. The three questions was, when will the temple be destroyed? What is the sign of your coming? And what is the end of the age? And for the first half of the chapter, Jesus begins to answer those three questions. So some of the things people say, well, see, this hasn't happened yet. Well, some things happened almost 2,000 years ago because it was about the temple. And so he begins to answer these questions. And the latter half, he begins to tell some parables. And let's pick up with verse 36. Let's see what it says here in verse 36. Because as we understand... As we looked at last week, we're supposed to occupy till he comes. We're supposed to do business till he comes. We're supposed to use the gifts God has given us till he comes back. As we talked about last week, the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. They're irrevocable. That gift is still working. You may have walked away and you're coming back today. You say, I don't know if that gift that I had 30 years ago is still working. It's still working. It's still relevant. It's still for today. The gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. They're irrevocable. They will not be withdrawn. So that gift is still there. And what we're supposed to do is use the giftings that God has given us until he comes back. But now we know we're all supposed to operate with our comforter, making room for our helper, following his leading and guiding until he comes back. So with that in mind, let's look at some of these parables Jesus told in Matthew 24, starting with verse 36. Notice what Jesus says here, but of that day and hour knows no man no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So same way like it was when Noah was alive, this is how it's going to be when I return. 
For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also be the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, what is that? Eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage. That means life as normal. Life is normal. I remember last year, people were like, Pastor, do you think Jesus come back this year? And I really want to say out loud, no. Why? You're expecting it. Come on, if Jesus came back last year, it's like, figures he'd come back this year. There are people posting online, saying, what chapter of Revelation are we living out today? Let's look outside. Because with everything that happened last year, people who have never looked up before are looking up, is he coming back? That cloud moved. I'm not sure. I heard a noise. Was that him? But Jesus, I'm going to come back in a day when most people aren't expecting it. So that means it's going to be life as some version of normal. It'll be a day that people aren't expecting, just like was the day when the flood began. He says, then shall two be in the field, and one shall be taken, the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, one taken, the other left. Watch, therefore, stay alert, for you don't know the hour your Lord does come. But know this, if the good man of the house had known in what watch or what time the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken up. Therefore, be also ready, or in the same way, be ready. So if a person who knew someone was going to try to break in the house, they're going to stay alert and stay ready. So what does ready mean? You know what ready means. They ready to prevent someone from breaking in. So in the same way, that person will have the mindset of staying alert and being ready. You must stay alert and be ready because Jesus is coming back. And he's going to come back on a day that you think not. He goes on and says, Who then is a faithful and wise servant? Anybody want to be a faithful and wise servant? I do. Whom his Lord has made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he comes, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you that he shall make him rule over all his goods. But and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delays his coming and shall begin to smite his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunken, the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looks not for him and an hour that he is not aware of and shall come asunder or cut him off and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Notice this. People who began to think, well, they've been said that Jesus is coming back for a long time now. It ain't happened, so I'm just going to live my life. If it feels good, I'm going to do it. And it says, notice what this servant of God, person who followed God, starts doing. They started to eat and drink and party and club with those who are drunkards. They begin to live just like the world. And as they begin to live just like the world, they begin to mistreat the brothers and sisters in Christ as they're living just like the world. Mistreating fellow believers because Jesus will come back on a day where they're not going to be aware of. Which means for you, stay aware. Stay alert. Whether he comes into your lifetime or a hundred years later or hundreds of years later, you're supposed to live alert. Say, I am supposed to, to live alert. You see, that's why 1 John chapter 3, John said that all those who have the hope of his return in their hearts keep themselves pure, make themselves pure, even as Jesus is pure. Because if in your mindset is he could come back today, you live different. You know, I'll use this example so some of you feel, you know, less convicted. 
or you can convict you, but you just look forward because like pastors telling a story now. When I was a youth pastor, I would use this example. And I would say it in a way that they would get. I said, some of you live holy by default. Some of you are living holy because you have no game. And some of you live holy because you've made a decision before God to live holy. Either way, there's two different reasons why you might be holy right now. And I encourage you, holy by default, make a decision so you can live holy. And so I said, you don't want to slip up because the day says, you know what? I'm just going to give in. I'm going to do what feels right. I'm going to do what I want to do. Jesus is going to come back, and you're going to have some explaining to do. Because you can look up Jesus, not what it looks like. No, it is exactly <laughs> what it looks like. Or I would tell them this way, I said, you know, yes, you have peer pressure from school to drink and smoke. And he said, I'm not going to do it. But on one day, you decide to light up anyways. Da-da-da! Jesus, I didn't inhale. That's not going to work. Because if you keep in your mindset that Jesus could come back today, you're going to make some better decisions. Because what, what do you want Jesus to find you doing when he comes back? You want to you see him seeing you tell someone on 285 that they're number one? It's like, that is not what I want to hold up. Mm, Jesus. Uh-uh. You'll make some better decisions. That's why John says you'll purify yourself even as he is pure. Because you're making better decisions because you expect him to return at any moment. You plan like he's not coming for a thousand years, but you live like he could come back any second. And so one of the things I share with Fayetteville, and I'll share with you, I'll cover more during our midweek experience on Wednesday, is don't become the villain of the story. Don't become the villain of the story. Now, when I was praying over this phrase earlier this morning, I thought about the production Hamilton. Anybody seen the production Hamilton, or at least listen to the soundtrack? And so, you know, it's based on history, and it's based on Aaron Burr, who is an interesting character because he's the grandson as one of the greatest revivalists this nation has known in that century, but he never followed God. And so Aaron Burr sings in one of his last songs that now I've become the villain of your history because of what he did to Alexander. They started as friends, and they ended as enemies. Don't start as a friend of Jesus and end as his enemy. There are those who start with Jesus and turn to be enemies. You see it in this parable, how they're like, you know what, he ain't coming back for a long time. I'm going to live my life. And they began to make decisions that began to lead them down to a lifestyle of mistreating God's people and living just like the world. Don't become the villain of the story. We're going to talk about it on midweek, so I encourage you to tune in. Say, tune in on midweek. Because, you see, Herod knew exactly who Jesus was and still wanted to kill him. Don't become the villain of the story. Because you know better. Because if you begin to take the mentality, I'm going to do whatever I want to do because Jesus ain't coming back today, and he began to live in a way that's contrary to the word of God, you will walk down a path that if you don't return and you don't repent, you don't turn back and change your mindset, you become the villain of the story. Because even John, the apostle of love, says there are some who left us and they're not coming back. 
Hebrews calls them done despite unto the Son of God. They trampled him under their feet. Don't become the villain of the story. So we'll share more about it on Wednesday. Say, watch on Wednesday. Come on, put in the chat. Say, watch on Wednesday. Come on, point at somebody across the room and say, you need to watch on Wednesday. So we'll share more about this on Wednesday during a midweek experience. But in the meantime, do what God has called you to do. Even as, as the director shared, it seems impossible. It's a dream you have never acted on. If that's what God told you to do, you need to do it. If God's been leading you to do it, you need to do it. Think about the lives that are reached because you followed your dream, sir. Think about that, those lives that wouldn't have been reached if he didn't take out a step even when his 1,000 Facebook friends ignored him. Just because people don't show up and support you doesn't mean you don't follow God. You do what God tells you to do no matter what people do because people can't be your God. Because when you stand before Jesus, they ain't standing with you. You can't tell, well, Jesus, I didn't do what you wanted me to do because not enough people like my post. Or people thought I was crazy. What are you going to tell Jesus when you stand before him? That's going to hold water. You need to do what God called you to do. And you need to know it's God who told you. You know, there's a scripture in Acts talks about Paul and Barnabas, how they were sent by the Holy Ghost. Because when you know who sent you, you know who backs you. And if they sent you, they back you, and they fund you. So that means you do what God told you to do because you know he told you to do it. Not because your grandma said, oh, you know, you look like a preacher. You should be a preacher. Grandma ain't paying all your bills. Or people say, oh, you would be really good in this field. It better be Jesus who said you should be really good in that field. Because now you get in the field, you might succeed, but you'd be frustrated. You'll be wondering why things aren't working out. Why there's these holes and these gaps in your heart and in your life because you're doing something you're not called to do. That means you need to get before God yourself, pray in the Spirit, take some time and hear from Him. Get it all up in God's face and hear what He wants you to do. Oh, I'm going to annoy God. No, God wants you to ask for wisdom. He said He'll give it to you liberally and upbraid of not. Get in His face and ask for wisdom. How long should I stay there until He tells you what to do? Well, Pastor, I had to go to work. Well, listen to Him as you work. You can whistle while you work. You can listen to Him while you work. We got to be people who follow the Holy Ghost, the helper who was sent to us, the comforter who was sent to us. We have to follow him. We have to be word people and Holy Ghost people because he will lead us to do some things that we're like, well, why would we do this at all? I'm so glad we followed his leading a few years ago because if not, we wouldn't have been prepared for 2020. But we were ready, and as a result, we grew last year. And we're growing even more this year. On path to grow even more next year. But because we listened and did some things, we got rid of some stuff. I still remember I stood before you and said, we are killing the bulletin. Save the trees. Go hug a tree outside. No more bulletins. Some of you are like, I love my bulletin. <laughs> I said, we're going to remove that bulletin. I'm going to invest the savings and build an app and give the rest of the kids in youth ministry. Some of you look at me like, eh. Aren't you glad we got an app now? Sometimes you got to get rid of stuff to make room for the new.
There's a scripture that we quoted a few weeks ago, and Paul quoted it's from the prophet Isaiah. And he talks about, it says, with stammering lips and another tongue while I speak unto this people, and this is the refreshing wherewith I'll cause the weary to rest. That's Isaiah 28, 11, and 12. The Apostle Paul quoted this passage in 1 Corinthians, relating it to praying in the Spirit or praying in other tongues. When you pray in the Spirit, when you pray in other tongues, you access refreshing. So it's good to be refreshed in the morning, but sometimes you need some refreshing throughout the day. Think about summer here in Atlanta. It might be an extra hot one day. You don't just drink water in the morning. Like, well, I'm going to wait till my next time of water tomorrow. No, if you're thirsty, you're getting some water. And so we have to make room for him even throughout our day. And so that means, you know, it's like, well, pastor, I can't pray for an hour. I don't have that attention span. Who said he had to pray for an hour? Here's what Smith Wilkworth said. He said, I don't pray longer than 15 minutes. But then he says, I don't go 15 minutes without praying. He just lived open. So that means you need to look for opportunities to connect with the Spirit of God. And so you're at work, he's got a couple minutes between Zoom calls or a couple minutes between classes. Just take a minute of those couple minutes and pray in the Spirit. Not out loud where everybody hears you. I'm hearing reports, Pastor, one of your people got one crazy in school. They started talking other languages. Come bail them out. That's not what Jesus is telling you to do. He didn't tell you to walk through the hallways and yell in other tongues or walk by other people's cubicles and just bless them in other tongues. That's not what he told you to do. He told you to talk to him. So that means you can do it quietly in between meetings and call, taking time to refresh yourself, taking time to build yourself up. And I remember when I really began to emphasize the principle, I remember years ago when I was a student at Oral Roberts University, we went on a business mission trip to Argentina. We were there for two weeks. We would teach business principles in the day, and the power of God would fall. Who knew that you could teach a marketing and the Holy Ghost would show up and teach a SWOT analysis and the Holy Ghost would show up? That would happen. And then at night, we would preach and give testimonies, and God would move even more. And so on some of those days, we had eight services in one day. Can you imagine eight services in one day? See, Dathan's been with me to Africa, and three is a lot. Five is a whole lot because those aren't short services. They go on and go on. See, Minister Dathan is full of energy, but you know it's been a long service when he's like, I need to sit down. <laughs> and we've had a number of those. Like the last one in Africa is usually about five hours. Very long service. So in Argentina, we had eight in a day. And so sometimes we only had 10 minutes in between the sessions. So we ran upstairs and threw back coffee. Like literally, we like threw it back and prayed in the Holy Ghost for the rest of the minutes and prayed in the Holy Ghost in between sips, charging ourselves back up to go and do it again. And, you know, my wife asked me, she's like, when did you become such a fan of coffee? Because when we first met, you weren't like this. I said, Argentina said, oh, they did this to you. I learned this principle, Holy Ghost of Caffeine, years ago. But we took time in between. We grabbed hands, and we'd pray in the Holy Ghost because we knew we needed him to be able to do it again. The miracles we saw, thousands, like literally, not exaggeration, thousands of of outright miracles done by the hands of college students. We knew we needed him to do it again. So in the 10 minutes, come on, everyone, grab hands, we began to pray. Throughout your day, 
look for times to connect with the Spirit of God and pray. Well, pastor, only a minute. A minute is better than none. And you know what? If you do that throughout the day, multiple days in a row, you've logged some serious time praying in the Spirit. Come on, you stuck in traffic? Stop getting angry. It's a land. Traffic is everywhere. On every day of the week, seemingly all hours. I remember one time I was driving home. It was like 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. We're driving in from out of town. It's a Saturday night. I said, why are y'all still up? Y'all should be in church in the morning. Why is there traffic? But it's Atlanta. There's traffic everywhere. So it's going to show up. So instead of getting mad, pray in the Spirit. You can pray in the Spirit even when you don't feel spiritual. So, well, no, I have to feel spiritual. You are a spirit, so you are spiritual. So pray. Take time throughout the day to make room for him so he can do the impossible in your life. Let's close it out here. Let's go to Romans 15, 13. Romans 15, 13. Let's close it here. Praying in the Spirit is vital to our success as believers. It says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that you may abound or overflow in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. You can overflow through hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. We are not the hopeless. We are to be the hopeful. We are not the helpless. We have a helper. And we can overflow in hope and overflow in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because the only way we're going to overflow in hope in times like these is through the help and the aid of the Holy Spirit. It's by through us consistently engaging him, making room for him, following his leading, following his guiding. He's not spooky. Spooky people make the Holy Ghost spooky. He's real. And he has been sent to make Jesus as real to you as he was to the apostles and the disciples way back then. So you can overflow with hope and you can overflow with power by the Holy Spirit who lives within you and rests upon you and dwells in your midst. It reminds you of Jude 120. But ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Scholars said that word there in Jude 120 is similar to our word charge. See, if I don't charge my phone, it's just a paperweight. It does me no good. If it's charged, I can use all of these apps on my phone. But if there's no charge, it's just a paperweight. What are some things that aren't active in your life because you haven't charged yourself up? A man I got to learn so much from said, there's some gifts that only operate when you're full. What have you missed out on because you haven't been full in a long time? And it may take you some time to fill up because you've been living off of Sunday fill-ups. Not because you prayed on Sunday, but because I prayed, he prayed, the prayer team prayed, the hospitality team prayed, the parking lot people, they prayed, and then you got their full up. And you got a little bit when God wants you to overflow. So it may take you some time to fill up, some time in the morning, some time throughout the day, over a period of time, so that you become full. And I was looking at some of these electric cars, and it says some of these cars take a long time to charge fully. And you may take a long time to charge fully because you haven't charged in a long time, but it's worth it. It's worth it. I said it's worth it. It'll help you live supernaturally. It'll help you know what to do and where to go. It'll help you know what decisions to make and what decisions not to make. It'll help you raise your children. 
It'll help you not go crazy while you raise your children. It'll help you to know how to go forward and what to believe and what not to believe in times like this because he is the spirit of truth. But we need to make more of this gift Jesus has given us. We celebrate the gift of God giving Jesus to the world. So we celebrate at Christmas. But we cannot forget of the gift Jesus gave us. Imagine if you were believing God for a car and someone came up and blessed you with a brand new car, completely paid for, paid for the insurance, filled it up with gas, gave you some extra money for gas money and just blessed you. You would be so excited. Some of you who are conservative would dance and shout, shout so much you might sweat out your suit or knock out your weave. You'd be shouting and dancing and bucking and jumping and running. You wouldn't care who saw you, who said what, because of the blessing you were just given, right? You would probably even drive around and just put your chair all the way back, lean back and wave to people as you drove around. Look what God just gave me. You take that car back home, you get out the car, look at it, and be so grateful for God's gift. And let's imagine that you had to go to Savannah tomorrow. The next day you woke up early, you looked at your car, you thanked God for the car, and he began to walk to Savannah. You'd get there eventually. Your shoes may not be what they used to be. You'd be tired. You'd be worn out. But you get there. Too many Christians are tired and worn out, and they get there. But they don't make use of the gift God has given them. Because if you got in that car, it'd only take you about three hours. And you can get there, whether if it's too hot, you can turn the air on. If it's too cold, you can turn the heat up. You can listen to what you want to listen to. You can get there in style and refresh if you made use of the gift God gave you. Are you making use of the gift Jesus has given you? Or are you leaving that gift in the driveway and walking to Savannah? Stand to your feet. Make use of the gift. Make room for the Spirit of God. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he will direct your path. Take time every day to pray in the Spirit. It's like, well, I have to feel spiritual, be in the good mood. No, don't wait to be in a good mood to talk to Jesus. Don't, don't do it. You make stupid decisions and get stupid prizes. You feeling a hot mess, talk to Jesus. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows exactly what you're thinking right now. So talk to him. Tell him, this is, whew, Jesus, I need you to help me. See, it finally went viral, and this is what the Holy Spirit trying to get you to do your whole life. Holy Spirit, activate. He said, I've been waiting for y'all to let me to activate, to activate some fruit on the inside of you, to activate some gifts on the inside of you, for you to actually listen and follow after me. You don't have to sing Holy Spirit activate, but if that helps you, do you. But you need to acknowledge him. And he'll direct your path. He will assist you. He'll help you. He'll lead you. He'll guide you. He'll anoint you. He'll empower you. Every single day. Because that's what he was sent to do. And he'll do it throughout this age. Every day as we approach the return of the Lord. Because every day he's preparing us for that glorious hope. The return of our Savior. So we live aware. 
and we do what he wants us to do every single day as individuals, as families, and as a church family. Amen. I believe today's message encourages you, it's strengthening you, it's helping you to live the lifestyle of faith. If you're ever in the metro Atlanta area, we'd love for you to worship with us in person. You can find information about our different locations at fccga.com. Also, we have so many different ways where you can get the word. You can download our Faith Plus app. You could also visit us on our social media pages, on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook on YouTube. We love for you to connect with us. We also have a podcast on Apple Podcasts as well as on Spotify. We have two. One is called the Faith Podcast and then we have our daily devotional podcast which is called Faith in the Morning. I look forward to seeing you on many different social media platforms and in person at Faith Christian Center. Thank you so much for tuning in and remember something good is going to happen to you today so expect miracles. God bless.